0: issue for all women, hello, Hannah, here, just sitting down with a nice cup of tea to introduce this, our third zoom cast featuring television writer and one third of drunk women solving crime, Hannah George and author and comedian Jane Hill. What a great lineup i 'm not going to spend too much time in this bit telling you what we talked about because it is coming very soon, but suffice to say we talked about so much stuff that we even found the opportunity to ponder what the hell goes on at a Zoom orgy. A couple of heads up to say at the top. Number one, if you'd like to know why we constantly refer to Hannah George as Hannah Bafter George, you will need to listen to our Christmas quiz, which you will find in our back catalogue. Number two, we were constantly interrupted, as is ever the case, with standard issue podcasts by one of my cats, this time Joan. So if you are a newcomer and you wonder who Joan is and why we suddenly randomly start talking about her that's what's happened there. Number three, the first four minutes of this, the sound quality isn't ideal. And that is because I have a buggered laptop. Now, to prove the authenticity of that, I actually moan constantly throughout this that my laptop isn't working very well. And I have been unable to find a replacement one in Cambridge because apparently there's a shortage. But I actually go on to explain that in the podcast. What you should know, though, is that actually it kind of fixes itself about four minutes in so if it does all sound a tiny bit at the start don't worry that lasts for a very small amount of time and then the sound quality improves but leading me to point number four the good news is I have actually now managed to buy a new laptop so hopefully we won't ever need to have this conversation again so enough waffling from me enjoy this podcast and I'll speak to you next week
1: Hello there. Welcome to Zoomcast 3. We're sticking with Zoomcast, still living a portmanteau. It's happening. Deal with it. Hannah Dunleavy is in the Zoom room. Yeah, hello. Uh, and we are joined by two cracking multi-hyphenates. I'll leave them to tell you what they get up to. Uh, Hannah George. Hello. And Jane Hill. Hello. We're going to start with our usual introduction, which is your name, which I've just helped you remember, what you do, and a random slash fun fact about yourself. I always kick this over to Dunleavy to start, and I'm not going to change what works now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I specifically told Mickey what I was going to say, and the word fun is not like great. I have just had like a really, like just annoying day. I have no mobile phone. Three is down, so I can't make any phone calls all day. Um <laughs> I went to buy a laptop today because my laptop is fucked. And believe it or not, there are no laptops that cost less than £999 on sale in Cambridge today. Oh. All laptops have sold out. Apparently there is like a national shortage of them and I've just discovered this. I also stepped in catsick in bare feet. Oh. Oh. It's been quite the Wednesday. Yeah. It really has. It's been all go. <laughs>
1: It seems like a really busy day, and I don't know whether that's just because we're so used to not leaving the house anymore. It feels like Hannah's packed so much action into one Wednesday. It's crazy.
0: Yeah,
1: I think if you've got two things
2: to do in a day, you know that's if you've got two things in your diary. And I had two things in my diary today. That felt like oh my god, I was so much on. I'm
1: going to have to get up really early. I didn't (laughs) have you down as an optimist, Jane, but you're still Uh using a diary. That's incredible. (laughs) <laughs> well, when I say diary, I mean phone alert system. <laughs>
2: yeah, so, but, well, I actually we do have a paper diary because my partner is the kind of person who—he's only just got a smartphone, and that was only because he needed a particular app. So we also have a paper diary.
3: I have, I have a paper, paper diary. diary. Yeah, paper I'm all for it. Big one,
2: yeah. a big one. And if it's not in the diary, it's not happening. <laughs>
3: I have this, this is weird, isn't it? This is like a diary where I put all my receipts for like so it's like by the day and I yeah. put them in. And I know you can take pictures of them on an app now, like of all your receipts, like being self employed and stuff, but I just pop them in my big old diary. I think
2: that's really sensible. I used to use brown envelopes, but then you lose track of what date. Yeah,
3: exactly. This whole thing. It's got everything. I've oh, got like do you know about- that. Eight for the last eight years. For That's the, the
1: listener, uh Hannah George has just lifted up something that I last saw Michael Aspel carrying
3: on This Is Your Life. <laughs> oh sorry, I wasn't sure whether or not this was a video that you put out as well. Um hence actually wearing a bra for the first time in about yeah. uh, five months. Five months it's been. <laughs> Just a bra, no top. Just, just a yeah. Bra. For the listener, it's <laughs> just in a bra and it's very, very mucky. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Would one of you care to introduce yourselves, please, and thank you.
3: Jane, go ahead.
1: Oh, right. Well, I'm Jane Hill. I do comedy.
2: I do stand up. um, And I have also written some actual novels, although not for quite a long time. And sometimes I forget I've done them. Um, (laughs) And also, also because I'm kind of very risk averse, I always have like a proper grown up job I do as well so that I don't get broke again so I'm currently and I only just started in January I'm also a university lecturer part-time which has become very weird in these unprecedented times so I've spent an awful lot of lockdown learning how to use various online lecturing tools I think is the word
0: Given the way that comedy's gone in 2020, (laughs) Mrs. Two Jobs doesn't look so stupid now. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I know
2: I'm incredibly lucky. I had this point, I'd worked for the BBC for quite a while and I had the option of taking redundancy, which I did. And I thought, oh, I'll just freelance. It'll be great. I'll do my stand up. I'll write another book. It's going to be absolutely fine. And then I got the opportunity to do university lecturing. And I just feel like, you know, um, you know, there's a Bible story about the five wise virgins. You know, I feel like one of those really sensible ones who put oil in my lamp. So that's a very Sunday school. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> Nobody that... else will possibly understand.
0: Funnily enough, Jane, I feel kind of like the five virgins after spending six months in the town. Well, exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm um, wondering I, whether putting London, oil in your lamp so... is a euphemism.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, well yes. Yeah. So I have actually at least had a job that pays me a salary and I am incredibly, incredibly grateful for that. Because I have seen, you know, obviously my comedy colleagues just, you know, I, I, my heart has, has broken for some people who have just been really suffering. And uh, it's it's been pretty horrible. So I'm very lucky,
1: basically, is what I'm saying. And, and incredibly sensible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think maybe one means that it's not so much luck, it is more just the sensible bit.
0: Or just... Do you want to bounce off the words incredibly sensible there,
3: Hannah? (laughs) Well, I mean, I refer you back to my diary, (laughs) Uh, stapled into it. Um, But yes, I'm Hannah and I am from the podcast Drunk Women Solving Crimes. So this feels weird to be having a a cup of tea whilst um, on Zoom recording a podcast. But it's very nice, actually. I get to remember exactly what I've said. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so as well as podcasting, I'm a writer, so I write TV shows, lots of kids shows like uh, the Dumping Ground and Paddington and Wolfblood and The House of Anubis all of these kids shows and then some comedy as well I just did Miranda did a, um, a show on uh, BBC One like a 10 year Christmas special so I wrote for that and I've just written for another sort of sketch show which sort of hasn't been announced yet so yeah it's it's all good fun. What's been good about lockdown is I'm writing at the moment for a lot of animations and animation just carries on going. Like nothing's been cancelled. I've had like three shows I've written on be at least postponed, but the animation everyone can do from home. So it's, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next few years because it's sort of COVID proof in a way.
0: Yeah, because they sometimes don't even meet each other, do they? People that are in animated films together, they just go and stand in a pod. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, I've
3: worked for lots of things where I've never met anyone from the shows <laughs> and, then the, and then I just suddenly see it on telly and I'm like oh I remember that but it's not a great way to work I think it's nice to I've missed doing like writers rooms on zoom has been a bit that's quite full-on and it's really draining I don't know about you but I find being on zoom is like oh my god not now, now now yeah, a this is
2: right. <laughs> I, I miss I like corridors and kitchens and those places where you bump into people and spark off them and suddenly get ideas while you're making a cup of tea or something yeah, which exactly. I've always loved in jobs, you know, the conversations you have that then lead you to somewhere else. And I, those, I think that's what we're really missing at the moment.
0: Well, that's really interesting because I was talking to Mickey the other day that I heard uh, I was listening to a podcast. Can't even remember what it was. Someone was talking about how workplace relationships are going to be severely affected by this. And all, on the one hand, you know, it's great that you're not spending an hour and a half each way on a train into work and you'll see more of your kids and stuff. But what they were predicting was that essentially that lack of stuff where you bump into people and you have a cup of tea or you go out and have a cigarette with them or I'm really sorry about Joan, we're just going to ignore (laughs) her. We're going to to lose that to the only relationship we're going to have with people is in Zoom, which people find quite confrontational and don't like. So we're much more likely to fall out with our workmates apparently now than we ever have been, which which is sad.
2: I barely know mine anyway because I've only just started so we had um we had an away day uh at one of the <laughs> universities I teach at and it had been in the diary for ages away day it was obviously going to be at a conference hotel on a ring road somewhere with you know crumbs <laughs> in the morning and, and a, a buffet involving chicken satay you know like standard kind of things and instead they luckily they decided not to have it for a full day but we had it on Microsoft Teams and it was I mean, it was all right, actually. We sort of got to talk to each other and lots of chat was going on. But, you know, the thought of having an away day while sitting in the same chair that i have been sitting at
1: for my entire, you know, for months. My mate attended a Zoom networking event that had an excruciating
3: 190
1: people in attendance.
3: What? How did they manage that? Just
1: various different screens, like there were different rooms you could go into and chat to people.
3: Oh, don't fancy that. Makes me feel a bit bilious.
0: That's weird. Who was it told us they'd been to a Zoom party and Hugh Bonneville was there? Oh, yeah, who's that? Can't even remember. They just found him in a Zoom room, um, just by himself.
2: Well, I go into these, you know, Zoom parties where you... I mean, obviously, Hannah's kind of, Hannah George is obviously sort of TV royalty and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> where are these Zoom parties? I mean, are people being invited to Zoom parties? Because I'm not. But I'm now worried that I'm really, really unpopular and that <laughs> nobody's inviting me to stuff and everyone else is having fantastic Zoom parties. I
3: read about a guy a who'd guy. been to a Zoom orgy. Wait, come off it. Did you have to sort of...
2: Was it like a do-it-yourself type deal? I, well, What, uh, what yeah. else could it be? <laughs> <What> else, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of solicited dick pics from what I could gather. Just...
3: Oh, Jesus. A haunted look in your cat's eyes right now is hilarious. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> very visual Joan, for a podcast. <laughs> but...
0: <laughs> it's just dawned on Joan what I was doing the other day, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Oh, the Zoom orgy! Now I've got it. <laughs> Took a screenshot of Something that. A
1: shot, and that's when.
2: <laughs> Do you
3: know what though? I think that's really that's quite admirable, isn't it? Though, because like that's very sensible. They could be breaking the rules. They could be fucking Dominic Cummings. well, very mm-hmm. apt name for an orgy, but they could be yeah. doing all of that. But they're not. They're doing it on Zoom, and they're being safe, and they're protecting the NHS. So good for them. And yes. I will be googling yeah. it later and finding out. How to <laughs> <help>. right, right.
1: <laughs> You are welcome. I'm Mickey Noonan. I am a quarter of the Standard (laughs) Issue podcast team and I was supposed to get married this week, but I um, am now not, which is the sad bit of my fact. But obviously we couldn't let the day go unmarked. So what is the next best thing to getting married to the man you love? It's going and hand feeding some otters, which is what I'll be doing on Sunday. Wait, is that a euphemism?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you. on the day you should be getting married you're going to go and hand feed some otters yes that's amazing i, love that. I
2: actually would definitely prefer hand feeding otters to getting married
3: any day <laughs> yeah week. it's Hopefully. cheaper it's
2: very much yeah, cheaper yeah i imagine so yeah
3: how long ago did you cancel? Did you realise pretty early on, right, this isn't going to... Because, you know, what are we? We're almost in September now. And in March, it felt like... It, you. Did you think we might
1: be all right? Or Yeah, and the venue was saying we might be all right. We kind of put our fingers in our ears and went, la, yeah. la, la, for ages. And then we're like, hang on, loads of people are cancelling or postponing. And then next year we'll get booked up. So I think probably, like, probably two and a half, three months ago now we made the decision.
0: But uh, yeah, hard. we had that conversation sort of about a week before actual lockdown. I was in a WhatsApp group to go on Mickey's future husband's stag And the person <laughs> sent a message saying, the person who was organising it, I don't call Mickey's fiance a person. <laughs> <clears throat> I might make her <laughs> do that though. <laughs> sent a message saying that everybody needed to send him a certain amount of money if we could do this date. And I brought it up in conversation with Mickey and Gary. And I was like, I don't want to be seen really negative, but I don't know if we should be putting a deposit down for something in July. And it felt like something I was really nervous of saying. It felt like I was being really hyperbolic or really sort of melodramatic. And then here we are, September. And yeah. You were right. I would be putting a dress on now to go to Mickey's wedding.
1: A white dress. She was going to wear a big white dress. (laughs) basically hannah was the ides of march i remember a conversation she had with me and jen on like the underground and she just said i don't know if they don't get this under control and worst case scenario here she's like jen you might have that baby in lockdown and mickey might not be able to get married this year we we were like shut up but you know
2: (laughs) hannah knows hannah Dunleavy really she is kind of my oracle on you know, you. the way the world is going, on anything you know, I'm I'm sure it was Hannah who was the first person to say to me, Donald Trump will seriously win the election. You know, uh, yeah,
0: and I tell you what, Jane, he's going to yeah. win again. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I I think I I think and I feel you're right. Yeah, I've been and I've now I've been saying that to people, but every time I say that kind of thing, I think of you,
3: Hannah. Jane, it... don't call her an oracle. She's going to be impossible to work with now. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do that though? Is you just go for the worst case scenario? Every time, and lo and behold, it happens.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Hannah is doing well, this
0: I actually think pessimism isn't a bad idea as a general goal because then you can only be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
0: right,
1: definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely.
2: I mean, um, it doesn't
0: make you popular at parties.
1: <laughs> well, well, I don't get invited to parties, so you know, I had to try that. She's a real downer at an orgy as well. Um, <laughs> Shall I oh, ask you? Come again. Come up. <laughs> yeah. So, on on the idea of uh what this year has been like, I would like to know if you could rewind and start 2020 or even lockdown again, what would you do differently? And I'm going to ask Bafter Hannah Bafter George first.
3: <laughs> do you know what? I kind of I think I definitely would. I did the hilarious thing of I've done one exercise video and (laughs) one yoga video during lockdown. It was in the first week and I have not kept that that shit up. One thing I wouldn't have done is I got, um, I got, well, I was quite drunk. It was after a drunk women recording and I was sat on the toilet and then a mouse ran out from underneath the toilet and I screamed and then fell over my own trousers and (laughs) essentially broke my toe. And so consequently, it's meant that, like, you know, the exercise you can go out and do and, like, just so much stuff. I, I wouldn't have done that would be the thing because actually hurting yourself in lockdown sucks, um, and I'm quite accident-prone anyway. I don't know about you, but spending more time at home, I've, I'm just covered in
0: just like, bruises, which well, sounds awful. I, but
2: I, me like... too. Bruises, cuts, scrapes, everything. Just to, I, If I can injure myself on an object, I will.
0: My garden is massively overrun, and it's been like a massive project for me to try and cut all the trees down and actually then put that stuff in the bin so I can only do it in stages, and every week, basically, I tell Mickey that I've done some gardening and then she says, and what have you done to yourself? And I go, <laughs> this or this. Or... The only time we've seen each other, I had a big cut on the top of my lip because I stabbed <laughs> myself in the face with something. Um, I've got three toes that are like just scratched to fuck at the minute.
2: I was dealing with the rose bush the other day um, now I'm one of those people. I'm I'm a skin picker. You know, I I have I, I believe the official term is neurotic excoriation, which is the term I prefer to skin picking. So if I've got a a scratch or something, I can't leave it alone because yeah,
1: you're a normal human being. That's yeah, what everyone.
2: Yeah, is. But I'm, I'm <laughs> welcome to your people, I'm Jane. I, I'm, I'm showing you sort of my arms which are covered in scratches so I, I quite often do the rose bush, and I'm disappointed if I don't get scratched cause then I don't have a place to pick you know <laughs> And I have to find one I have to make one instead and my partner keeps going it can't be that bad how come you're two months later you've still got that scratch I'm like I don't know I don't know not anything anything to it at all
1: no what you need but to so do, I do quite like a, get yourself a couple of pet rats and then they like to sit on your shoulders and they're also quite clawsy and they're my two are really clumsy because they're at least 40 percent balls Uh, so they just sort (laughs) of slide everywhere and then you've constantly got scratches
2: I, i don't need to be
1: encouraged i need to not do it but jane what would you do if you could rewind to the top of 2020 I suppose I was thinking that what I wouldn't
2: do is, at the start of lockdown, make a long list of all the things I wanted to achieve during lockdown. Oh, That's were you
1: one of I those people. people?
2: Oh, I thought, what a great opportunity to do all those things that I've been meaning to do, forgetting that I have a part-time job that I work out three and a half days a week anyway, which wasn't going away, that I still had to do. And I just thought, miraculously, suddenly there'd be more time. And to be honest, there, there has been, because I've not been travelling, But I made this list, you know, write another book, get fit. Like we all said that, didn't we? You know, (laughs) weight, um, get get an exercise routine going. And I wouldn't do that list because all of that list has led to is self-hatred. And in fact, what I would have done is a list saying, eat a magnum every day. Be nice to yourself. Watch lots of telly. Read some books. You'll be fine. There's still Uh, time. Yeah, I basically just said to myself that that's okay now. You know, I've just kind of given myself a break and just said, yeah, yeah, it's all right, it's all right, you know, just read another book, it's all fine, I mean, it's not, but, you know, what can I do, really, I'm not going to suddenly kind of get super fit, I'm 56, for God's sake, you know, I've never been fit in my life,
3: it's not going to happen now. (laughs) I do think it's a weird thing about getting fit in lockdown, because it's like, on Zoom, sure, I've got the thing on that is like the pixel smoothing type thing, (laughs) the thing that kind of like smooths your face a bit, like, I've come out in a weird rash, on my face, like in the last week, and like no one really knows, like <laughs> because <laughs> I don't see anyone. Um, yeah, and Toby, my boyfriend, is like, "Oh, you should put some more cream on that." And I'm like, "Nobody sees it. You've seen it at its worst. Let's just like." So it's good for sort of unsightly things. I've quite liked that. um In terms of lockdown, it's like actually hmm. I'm not that bothered that I sort of yeah had a weird <laughs> face thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Hannah. You know, you and your weird face moving stage. <laughs> Is this a theme? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't. It's not a thing. I mean, um, Hannah and I, years and years ago, when I was first doing comedy and was already in my forties, and Hannah was uh, was a child, we used to gig a lot because we we're both <laughs> we both lived sort of in the in the south. we were part of the kind of Solent comedy massive. And I just used to think, how can somebody be this young and this talented? Uh, I and know. Grown oh. up, so I think that's really nice that Hannah's a grown-up now. <laughs> well,
0: Funnily <laughs> enough, when, amazing, but... when Mickey first met Hannah, we went to a pub in uh, Leicester Square. And I said, oh, I haven't, I actually said, I haven't seen Hannah since she was a little girl. <laughs> <And I> thought, <laughs> she, she wasn't was, actually a little all, girl, was she? she? I mean, you was, were maybe
2: 19. She was about
0: 18. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think I was—I was, yeah, nineteen. I think when I started, a little girl. <laughs> yeah. I, love
2: I mean, that. It used to kind of be at comedy competitions and gigs, you know, in Southampton and Portsmouth and the Isle of Wight and stuff. And uh, you know, I was like the oldest woman who had ever started doing comedy, and Hannah was the youngest. And it was just—it was nice. It was nice that
1: you know,
2: we got on, and it was lovely. And you know. <laughs>
1: And now she gets pissed for a living. Oh, I
2: know. And I don't
3: drink. So it's kind of... (laughs) Being an adult. (laughs) Rules! I do really like my who I write with now we actually like wrote some um, we've been writing some stuff together Tasha Danraj she's oh, you know, um, I
2: met Tasha at, you know again London open spots back in the day yeah
3: uh. yeah and back in the day she was like she started standing up at 14 yeah. and I was there being like 19 bitches I'm the young <laughs> yeah. one and then Tasha turns up and I was like right fine well she shouldn't be in a pub so get rid of her but no <laughs> she, she really um put me to shame at 14 yeah oh my god but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Dunleavy, if you could go back in time, what would you change? What would you do differently about your lockdown experience? Well, I'd
0: probably have bought a new laptop sooner Yeah, because this has slowly deteriorated.
2: Yeah, we have a conversation about laptops right at the start of lockdown, around the time that Boris Johnson went into intensive care. We were speaking on the phone, Hannah, and your laptop was going wrong then.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
2: were talking about buying one then, weren't you?
0: Well, my camera had gone, so oh, I'd okay. had to buy, I had to buy a webcam. But yeah, I probably should have. But apparently, this has been like a long problem now for like months. To be honest, without wanting to sound like a cock, I think I've been pretty good at lockdown. I have put on too much weight because I have been lazy and have eaten shit. And I have discovered how much stuff I can get delivered to your house if you ask. You <laughs> don't I actually it? need to leave that much. But apart from that, I didn't drink throughout the whole of lockdown, which my big fear through lockdown was that I always feel like there is another version of me in which I just start drinking jim beam at 11am and decide i'm writing the great novel and i i always feel like that what that person's there and i have to like push them down and i was worried that that person might erupt out of me in lockdown so i i haven't i didn't drink at all i've had like i think i went to a pub with I went to Mickey's and I had like two beers and I was like oh that seems enough for me because I hadn't drunk for months and months and months so I actually feel like I've been relatively successful I have that really ridiculous idea I think it's like that working class idea that hard times are actually quite good for you and that you come out of them like a better person so I'm trying I actually don't know that I would change anything
3: it's hard though isn't it when you have like when the whole world is going through bad times and you're like so it's if- if the whole world comes out a better person then we're all still on a, on a level Shit. so like <laughs> nobody's changed like it's like I was thinking of like I think we should all make a pact that like at the beginning of lockdown where everyone's going to put on a stone that way when we all emerge <laughs> yeah. <like> <laughs> we went yeah. uh, my partner and
2: I went to the beach on Monday because we live in uh, Leicestershire and it is it's technically it's a kind of joke people say about it but it's technically true we're nearer to space than to a beach so (laughs) (laughs)
3: we
2: drove for three hours to North Norfolk which is our nearest beach and we I was trying to put my swimsuit on in the car because I'm no longer of an age and I want to get changed on the beach and I, I luckily I took two with me I found an unused one that's a size like bigger than my other ones And I got the one I thought I was going to wear halfway up my thighs, and I had to say, "Uh, Rob, can you just go get that other swimsuit out of the boot? (laughs) This one won't go past like mid thigh, and I was wearing it just like six months ago.
1: That's That's me with every optimistic ASOS delivery that arrives at the house. (laughs) I'll try this one on for... Oh no, abandon, abandon. (laughs) What about you, Mick? Mine was a fitness one as well. I've left it until two weeks ago to get back into running. I used to run loads and I really liked it, but I just had struggled to sort of get into a routine. And I was like, lockdown, OK, I can get into a routine. This is going to happen. And instead, I just turned into a human slug, just sort of <laughs> slugged on the sofa, slugged in the kitchen, slugged with the fridge door open. But in the past two weeks, I've turned it around and I've run like six times each week, which is pretty amazing.
0: Oh wow! Wow, how a time? When I went to Tesco today, uh, I went to what the what I thought was the entrance, but that's the exit now, and you have to walk a long way round to get to the entrance. And I was like, oh fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that that is fucking miles <laughs>
2: because that's, that's a big Tesco. <laughs> I know. That.
1: Yeah, just freewheel on a trolley yeah I was like this is outrageous
0: this is the most exercise I've taken in months
2: I did I did I've been doing some kind of because we live kind of in the country which is not really my ideal but it has been a good place to be during lockdown and so I've been doing some walks I got out my ordnance survey maps which it turned out I'd bought the whole stack when we first moved here 12 years ago and so I found some walks but I'm really limited by my bladder (laughs) <laughs> so I can walk five miles, which is about an hour and a half, and because it's mostly farmland where we live, and there's not a lot of forested area, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. I can only go an hour and a half without needing a copse, <laughs> and there aren't enough of those. So um that's that's been quite fun, but yeah, yeah, after a while, I'm sort of running back to the house, kind of let me in, let me in. Yeah. End.
3: Yeah. I think there's, like, since we've started emerging from lockdown a little bit, and I've been going to just a f- just a few places or whatever, I do realise actually how nice it's been to have no anxiety about, will I need the toilet? Like, I yeah. constantly yeah. am yeah. anxious about just needing a piss, because I find it the most uncomfortable, like, yeah. sensation in the world. And, like, and I've realised, yeah, like, for three months, I only pissed and shat in one toilet. And that's, like, yeah. commitment. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. it was always there. <laughs> but it doesn't make she realised what things you were kind of anxious about yeah. when I sort of got on a, the overground for the first time I was like oh by the time I get there well I need to go to the toilet and then I don't want to go into someone's yeah. house but but I can't just stay outside all day or like anyway yeah
2: um, a, friend of, a, a friend of mine her mother's about my age and um, was told by her doctor you know when she went to sort of discuss her bladder needs that, that as, as a kind of middle aged woman you need to start training yourself to hold it in because that's the only way Mm. and every time I need to go to the loo I think of my friend Becca's mother sorry Becca's mother (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to think about it every every day of my life from now on as I try and hold it in trying to train myself if I ever at any point go back to a cinema you know that's I, I know I feel like I ought to get myself able to not
0: weave for two and a half
2: hours or something. Yeah. yeah. Most um, um, sure. so, so films these days are basically sexist because they're too long and, you know,
1: you can't wee. <laughs> the brilliant <laughs> Elaine Miller, known as uh, Gussy Grips on Twitter, is oh, into yeah. pelvic floor stuff and is adamant that all women need to be doing their pelvic floor exercises. And she says that from the moment you first think, "Oh, I probably need to go to the toilet, you should be able to hold that in for between
0: two to four hours if you oh, are... No. Oh. We tight. we went we went out on the lash in Edinburgh with Elaine and we were drinking <laughs> pints and about halfway through the evening I went, Oh, I've been trying and she said, No, when you're drinking a normal amount of liquid, you're supposed to hold on to it for two to four hours. And I've been like trying to just like like I don't I can't let Elaine down. I can't let her down like <laughs> I've just been holding on to about three pints. I don't think I came out for about 20 minutes, which is pretty unusual for me.
1: Oh, but it's interesting, too. She says there's that psychosomatic thing. You know, when you've been out and you get close to your front door, you immediately want to piss and you end up kind of like, oh, where are my keys? I need to get in. I yeah. need to get in. And I'm at the point where there's a very real risk of leakage
2: if I don't get the keys out in time.
1: Yeah. If you're there and you sneeze, game over. Oh, right?
2: God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's just all in your head, Jane, not in your Isn't bladder. It?
2: It doesn't feel like it's in my head. Here's what I have to do before I go to bed. Um, I have a wee, then I clean my teeth, and then I have another wee, like within the same bathroom trip. Distance between that the first wee and cleaning my teeth, I need a wee again. Now,
0: I could not say wee? After. This is really making me need to pee. I'm <laughs> <a question. laughs> I'm, I'm now full on bursting.
1: Two, well, to done, Two to four hours, Dunleavy. Two to four hours. <laughs> Hold that bad boy in.
0: do you have a question? I do yes so this week I interviewed the excellent Elif Shafak and we were talking about happiness and how it's a word that's kind of become a bit fluid in the current time you know some of us are looking back and wondering was that actually happiness that we had before when we were moaning about it or some of us are saying maybe it wasn't happiness and we just mistook it for happiness so I wanted to know what you thought happiness looked like to you at the moment. Let's start with, well, Jane just did big eyes. So I'm going to start with Mick. Oh,
1: oh. I think this is a really interesting question. Well done, Hannah. Happiness, I think, isn't a constant state. It's moments, whereas contentedness is something that you can achieve more long term. And then you get the spikes of happy, which are kind of giddy. So what happiness looks like to me is being able to maintain contentedness because I've never really been able to do that before. But I think I've finally sort of mastered a way to keep myself on a level instead of huge, huge peaks of manic giddiness and joy and then huge, huge troughs of sorrow and sobbing. So, yeah, I guess happiness for me is contentedness, which feels a bit like a win if that's not too sappy an answer no
0: that's good it's also making me need to go to
1: the top no, <laughs> <laughs> you wetting yourself right now would make me they delighted
3: how uh,
0: all- <laughs> gonna... about you hannah, hannah bafta george
3: <laughs> baftas <laughs> make me happy I would say. <laughs> and happiness is winning things and it's no it's <laughs> i don't know i think i've always i've always been quite a happy person i think that's just i don't know just part of my makeup I remember my friend described me as like pathologically positive we were talking about pessimism earlier and actually I'm like I think I'm the opposite but also I think that I'm very positive but I also am very realistic but prefer to go into things with a positive yes this is a good thing kind of way so I think with with lockdown and stuff like right now I feel like I'm like seeing more of my friends than ever like so I'm from the Isle of Wight and I moved to London about four years ago and I don't see my friends on the island as much but now we we've probably the only people that still are doing a weekly quiz but we have a weekly quiz on a Friday night and and that's been so nice that's but that's made me really happy just because you know I miss miss home quite a lot and actually we'd never spend every Friday night together which like we have for the last 19 weeks Mm -hmm. and so that's made me really happy and then you know so to me it's kind of I don't know happiness for me is yeah is being with other people and being with friends and being with people and being creative and they're the things I've managed to carry on doing during lockdown, um, although not physically. And also, I've carried on working, which has been amazing because I know that lots of people haven't, and lots of the shows, yeah, that I've doing that I've been doing have been have continued, which has been amazing because I think I would have gone a bit mad. So for me, happiness is being busy, and I've been very busy. So yeah, it's been it's been nice. <laughs> it's been all right. <laughs> Jane. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm completely the opposite of Hannah. I'm not somebody who, um,
2: I, I'm somebody with a melancholic frame of mind. You know, I tend to approach things as uh, not not pessimistic, just kind of, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, if you like, I'm happiest in a kind of melancholic mood. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, you know, I love country music, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But I think what Mickey was saying about contentment is quite important. I think for me, happiness is knowing it's the feeling that I've done the best I can do and towards fulfilling myself at any given point. And it is very much based on, on me, you know, my happiness. You know, I feel to be happy, I need to be doing, to be making the most of myself. So I have kind of beaten myself up a bit during lockdown because I don't think I've been doing that. And I think one of the big processes for me has been that kind of being kind to myself and saying, actually it's all right. And that's been quite a good learning process for me because I'm always striving for the next thing. And I always think I'm a failure. You know, my whole mindset is that I'm a, you know, I'm a complete failure, never manages to succeed as anything. And I came home to it and go, actually Jane, you've done quite a lot of things. You're quite good at stuff. So happiness doesn't come naturally to me. I need to work hard at doing stuff and kind of make the feeling that I'm Doing good stuff, but I it has been interesting. You know, in the early days, kind of working as a university lecturer, I've really enjoyed, even online, just being able to communicate with students and and actually feel that I'm helping some people, which has been quite nice. And I'm looking forward to starting that again because I think that kind of sense of being able to share what I've learned about life with other people and being able to share some of the skills I've done in my life and my working life with other people is actually bringing me happiness. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. You know, since I can't wait for term to start again, I can actually start, mm. you know, doing this job that I decided I'd really enjoy doing. And also I've got a gig on Sunday, like an actual outdoor gig on, oh, a, farm, nice. wow. on a stage. And honestly, I cannot wait. Partly I cannot wait just to have, you know, the bants with the other comedians in the, in the green room or the bar. Yeah. Or I can't wait for that. And I can't wait just to be standing on stage and doing comedy again, which would be really nice. That's a really long winded answer. Yeah. So I'm not not normally a happy person. It's not really my thing. But That's a a good answer.
0: (laughs) I I kind of appreciate it because I am probably, well, I'm certainly the most even tempered person that I know in that I am largely never happy or unhappy. I'm just sort (laughs) of, I just sort of am. Like, for example, I, and I'd spoken to a George about this before, um, I wrote a, um, a, a pilot for a sitcom based on what happened when my dad died. And I showed it, Mickey has actually read it, and I thought it was all, I thought it was all right. I sent it to the BBC Writers Room, and of course, the BBC Writers Room spent, like, takes about five months then, yeah, like, to get back to you. I had entered something previously before to them in the drama section, and then it got through the, the to the second sift so i thought you know i'm not a terrible writer yeah yeah um anyway and it came back and it said that they had just been rejected at the first read and um, i what what amazed me was how utterly unfazed i was by that how i was just like okay like they didn't like it and how my, like I kept thinking, like, must be no. I should cry about this or something, something that I've invested <laughs> time and yeah. energy and actually like personal emotion yeah. into. But yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like so. I I don't know really what happiness like looks like. Not because I yeah, don't. Yeah, I, it, it is. I want to know. To what me, is. to me is merely the absence of unhappiness. It's yeah. something that doesn't make me go, oh, that's shit. So I'm like, oh, it must be anything okay and above, I suppose.
2: Yeah, yes, I, I kind of know what you mean. I mean, I, I live my life as if it was probably everything's probably my fault, you know, and in the moments when I realise it's probably not my fault and actually some things are okay, those are the moments I feel happiness. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have actually kind of enjoyed, like, like I said, I kind of like things that are tough. I kind of enjoy things that are tough. And like the last four or well, spending like the best part of three months entirely by myself was actually really tough. But I oddly enjoyed the toughness of it because I kept thinking, yeah, you're right. You, you you are like, exactly. you are living your right life. You are actually in a really good place if this doesn't bother you. And other people around you yeah. that you know are having full on nervous breakdowns about being okay, <laughs> at, at, like being by themselves. And you're like, that's all right. Yeah. And I've had to fix a couple of things myself that I was like. I love fixing
2: things. And, fixing things and I've had
0: it. to yeah, solve solve a couple of problems that weren't like oh I'm gonna ring up a friend and see if they can come and do it for me all of which I suppose made me happy that I could do that stuff but but yeah I suppose you have this idea that happiness is sitting in a bar with your mates just laughing or something you know like in a montage happiness is a montage
3: exactly (laughs) yeah I think for me as well like um, if in the future when somebody says what was worse 2019 or 2020 for me 2019 was worse because of something that just because someone I love got very very ill and then for me if that had happened in 2020 it could have been a different story altogether because of the fact that you can't go to hospitals and you know things, uh, things are not caught as early and I just, like, if you told me in 2019 that you were going to be happy this has happened this year, you're going to be happy about this. And then, you know, and and so I've spent the entire entirety of lockdown thinking, like, God, if what happened last year happened this year, it would have been just the worst. So I think I've kind of kept that going through lockdown and just been like, oh, it's not 2019,
0: baby. And I agree completely. In fact, uh, an inappropriate thing, though, it is to say, I've said it to loads of people, including my mother, that one of my first thoughts when this happened was i was really glad that my dad wasn't still alive because this would have killed him and I'm the idea the idea that i at uh, this going on i would have had to do you know that funerals whatever grief in the middle of this i was like no i'm glad it happened when it did because
3: yeah yeah, yeah. i haven't
0: got that extra concern going t- on in the background so i feel i feel what you say there completely hannah
1: yeah it must be really really tough for the people who have had to go through that I can't imagine like right. grief grief yeah. anyway but this is sort of grief without the support system it's horrible mm-hmm. can't even
2: begin to imagine because um I mean my father died quite a long time ago it must be I, I I ought to be able to remember when he died I mean I remember when it happened but I don't remember the year I'm not even sure I noticed at the time what date it was but what I do remember about it was that strange kind of joy you get About being with family and you know the the fellowship you get during Mm -hmm. you know the ceremonial parts of death you know the gathering around to try and decide what kind of funeral he would have wanted you know and the the actual funeral itself and then the bun fight afterwards and the the things you do around a a death in a family can actually be some of the weirdly best times and I think to be able to, to to have to miss that stage of grief, you know, of a a parent or a a loved one dying and not be able to have that must be awful and you know, the the, the missing that sense of closure and that sense of uh, community and and support you get I I can't even begin to imagine
0: We have spent the last, well quite a lot of lockdown my dad didn't have a gravestone yet and my mum decided that was going to be a project in lockdown, was to get us all to decide together as a unit what was going on, dad's gravestone and it's been the most unexpectedly hilarious thing that we've done together as a family like I, my poor mum she just wants to get it done and our inability to take it seriously in <laughs> any way means that we, it always ends with us still just going ah, like that and then like the conversation changing and she's like still sitting there with their pen and paper going I haven't got anything actually written down yet <laughs> I mean it, it won't sound funny but the other day my, uh, I was actually at their house and my <laughs> we were we were trying to get to the bit that you say, you know, when people put, "Oh, you're, you're like a rainbow in my heart" and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, just that actually, it says that on a grave near my dad, um, and it makes me reach every time I say it. So we we're all trying to decide what that is, and we were like, there was various quotes from poems, but some people don't like them because they're quite sentimental. And you know, my brother just refuses to say anything that isn't a joke on there. <laughs> and my mom said to my my mom said to my nephew you think of anything that he said really regularly like to my nephew (laughs) (laughs) my nephew said um Ethan don't sit on the cushions (laughs) (laughs) that would be great I think that would be really nice (laughs) it'd be amazing to put that on his gravestone (laughs) so yeah we all laughed for about an hour and then my mum still didn't have anything written down Hang on, what you was what, your dad's if... problem with sitting on cushions? It seems like the perfect uh, place, is it? No, he had a they had a sofa that rather than that had like you know cushions, you, you know the stuff that goes at the back. The oh, cushions, right, yeah, know, yeah, they sit on the frame. Yeah, so they were like really squishy, and so my nephew just used to sit down on top of them, so they would go into a weird Oh, and then squish down. Okay, right,
3: okay.
0: So, yeah. Ethan, don't sit on the cushions. Oh, God,
3: I'd love it if your mum actually did that now. Has she got all the a sense of humour. It would be so funny. She'd be like, you know what? I'm spending 600 quid on this. I'm going to do it.
1: do <laughs> you have another question. I would like to know, and I'm going to start with uh, BAFTA George. I would like to know which woman you admired growing up and it could be a a fictional character someone off of the telly someone in your life it could be me and
0: jane it could be jane it (laughs) could be hannah that's
1: that's how funny i want (laughs) no pressure at all now
3: (laughs) oh shit, shit um oh god oh that's a that's a hard question i like um growing up who did I admire I mean anybody anybody that did comedy I think so Jane and Hannah essentially (laughs) but it was it was always that it's it's really weird I definitely grew up sort of it's weird how you can not notice that everything you watch only has one or two women in it being funny (laughs) and if that you know if that yeah Um, so when I started to realize that actually it was so much more difficult for women as well to actually get on telly and actually get their shows made. I, yeah, just, well just people like French and Saunders and Joe Brand and Jenny Eclair and all all of, all of the sort of, yeah, just anybody that was in comedy, basically, I was just in awe of, to be honest. Um, And then when I got a bit older, people like Sarah Silverman, who like, I, you know, when you discover American comedy, um when you like I didn't know about American comedy probably until I was about 17 or 18 like Mm. living on the Isle of Wight we don't get a (laughs) (laughs) not much comes across
2: don't have television
3: No, it's (laughs) very difficult isn't it because of the Ventnor overhang exactly exactly which um was me when I put on a bit of (laughs) weight i
0: noticed
3: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, at the moment, I've been uh, reading Michelle Obama's autobiography and that's pretty good. She is. A, she's a woman to, uh, to be impressed with. My yeah, God, she's pretty cool. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, growing up, anybody, just anyone that was funny, essentially. And specifically if they were on telly, because that was just a whole another crazy world that I wanted to be part of. And now you are. <laughs> yeah. Great.
1: Jane, what about you? One of those people who, I'm,
2: I i don't often, I don't really have heroes or, or like role models. So I'm very bad at admiring people because I kind of think, oh, I like that one thing about them, but I mustn't admire them too much because suppose they're not what I think they are. I'm very kind of suspicious. If you know what I mean, it's awful. I don't have heroes.
0: Well, um, with hindsight, Jane, I mean, I mean that's kind absolutely of right. Itself absolutely, out, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, but I, I, you know, I remember the first time I saw Kate Bush, I was 14 years old and saw Kate Bush doing Wuthering Heights on top of the Pops and just being, you know, that's astounding. The fact that she was that young and she was writing her own songs and performing them and doing her own thing, you know, and watching her being interviewed at sort of 19 on Ask Aspel or whatever it was, with such a clear idea of what she wanted to do. I mean, I think the thing I really wanted to be when I was sort of teenager was a film director. I wanted to write and direct films. That was my absolute ambition. I hadn't really got comedy in my mind. And I there wasn't. There was literally no one, you know, in terms of women who I could get a handle on. I also did like comedy. I watched a lot of comedy. I remember um, you know, those rare moments with Victoria Wood, obviously, you know, watching Victoria Wood as seen on TV, the fact I could watch it with my parents, and we all thought it was brilliant because I had a great affection for those that classic things like Les Dawson, you know, the classic sort of northern mm-hmm. comedians I really liked. And Victoria Wood just felt that she was bringing something different to that, and again, it was her. She was in charge. She was writing it. She was doing her own thing, and those were the things I think I looked for: that somebody who was very clearly in control of their creative output. Um, so mm-hmm. she she was somebody who's really important to me as well. Um, you know, I sort of would see a woman and be like, "Oh my god!" I remember there was a woman called Rita Rudner who was one of the very yeah from SNL. Yes, Saturday Night nice, Yeah. She kind of appeared in a few things, and I think she was in that awful film with Kenneth Branagh, Peter's friend.
3: You're going to have to be more yeah.
2: specific. <laughs> <laughs> I actually interviewed him once in person, and he was the loveliest, most interesting man. But he made some shocking films. Obviously, I've seen his yeah. cock. What, Sorry. Um, Whoa, hold up.
3: <laughs> That's what Hannah did. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah is now my hero. Go on. <laughs> I went
0: I'm... to see. I went to see him in a David Mamet play with my auntie Jackie and I had bought some tickets and I wasn't originally going to go with her um, but somebody dropped out at the last moment and she lived in London and she was like I don't know, I don't really like Kenneth Branagh and I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine and we had seats really close to the front and she just kept turning around and mouthing to me it's not his Branagh, it's his cock (laughs) as he was running around naked on stage yeah okay.
2: he didn't show me his cock when I interviewed him but I drew a picture if you want. Like
1: Coriolanus. So <laughs> you've ruined one of Jane's favourite memories by that. <laughs> yes. Sorry, there Jane. was the option of cock, and she didn't
2: get I'm it. I'm sorry, but no, I mean cock is always worth ruining something for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Discuss. <laughs> Anna, what woman
1: did you admire when you were growing
0: yeah. up? <laughs> well, I was thinking I was thinking about this because we haven't asked this question in a while. And I'm really ashamed to say that like when like I saw that thing circulating in the tweet the other day of like who was the first sports person you admired and I was like, Daley Thompson, know the answer to that, you know, pretty solid and there weren't really any women in politics i like to think like my molan but i was way into my 20s before my molan was like a political force so i mean i was really interested by calamity jane when i was a kid but that oh, would be fantastic. very stick that would be very much the uh, the sanitized version of calamity jane i know more about her now in fact i've written quite extensively about her now um i was very into eleanor roosevelt as a teenager when I learned who she was so but the first person that I would say um that I had sort of any kind of fandom would also be Kate Bush I was younger I would say I was probably about five or six and I can remember seeing it wasn't Wuthering Heights it was wow that I remember seeing oh yeah yeah and neither of my parents liked I mean I don't think they disliked Kate Bush that just wasn't the sort of thing that they bought So dad I, loved her I largely only encountered Kate Bush if she was on the radio or yeah. on the television, if she was on top of the box or something. So I tend to have videos in my mind yeah. when I think of Kate Bush, um, which well, doesn't actually perform that live much live anyway, does she? But I would just remember, I mean, for Wow, I, I mean, I, I did a dance uh, that went, w- went with it and I knew how to do it. And I have, yeah. Wow,
2: yeah. wow, <laughs> exactly. wow, Exactly. Um,
0: my poor sister getting slapped in the face constantly <laughs> as I was like, stand next to me while I do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Kate Butch is amazing. I mean, Debbie Harry as well, but I think Debbie Harry, that was there was something about Debbie Harry that was to do with the way that she looked. She was very cold. It was an yeah. aesthetic with Debbie Harry that obviously appealed to me as a kid. And possibly even the idea that every man that I knew fancied Debbie Harry. So maybe there was something in the Picking up on that and thinking, yeah, there's something clearly very attractive about her, but um, at neither of them I could sing along to. Now, <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't have picked two worse people to try and like do impersonations <laughs> of in my house. My poor mum,
2: Kate <laughs> hey Bush. I always felt that if I'd concentrated harder at piano lessons, you know, and could actually play the piano, that I could have written some lyrics and then become a pop star so you know that was the other thing you know I thought I'd be a film director or a pop star and I neglected to actually learn any instruments so then I thought if I could went to university I could played guitar and I we could form like and basically what I'm saying is that Tracy Thorne ended up having the career I thought I was going to have (laughs) (laughs) But she met somebody at university and they played guitars and made records and I thought that's what I should have done and um
1: what happened you're doing None all right, Jane. Jeez, yeah. what yeah, I know, I know
2: what I'm doing complete. all right. You're still fine. I'm a complete and utter failure. No, <laughs> no. None. I write these books. That's right. That's what I really want. Yeah, I write these
0: books.
2: That was
0: good. What about you, Mick? Quick, say Jane. Jane
1: has been an inspiration to me since I was a small <laughs> child the five years ago I first met her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've asked this question and answered it quite a lot and so my grandma was amazing she was hard as nails but also vulnerable and a little bit terrifying and all sort of this mix of someone who could rule the house despite could rule the house and the family despite us not living in the same place and her being in a hospital bed the whole time because she had arthritis so she was she was a very powerful figure who encouraged us to To just do what we want to do and to be creative, which was great. But I'm also going to say Moira Stewart because she was sort of the first woman I saw on the telly box delivering factual information, which seemed to be the realm of men, didn't it? But she had this sort of power of the news. She was great and she had amazing helmet hair. Yeah. 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 Voice as well. Yeah. Sultry. Just beating off to disasters I imagine I was too young I wouldn't do that <laughs> sorry it's taken a dark turn I,
2: I did have a moment where I thought K A D. you know that I would be K A D, and then I thought I don't know I don't want to get in danger you know if I could be K A D, but not with the danger that would be good which is I guess you know eventually did a bit of journalism so um.
1: yeah she was really mean to me in an interview was she yeah she oh. was really hard work
2: Not like Kenneth Branagh with
1: his cock. And she did not get her cock out. Uh... (laughs) She did for me. Oh, Hannah. Have have seen everyone's cock. cock. (laughs) Have I got time for one more question? Yes, I think so.
0: Okay, I'd like to know, largely because I went through a period in which I couldn't read at all during lockdown, but now I can read again, so I'm quite excited. I'd like to know what you are currently reading or what the last thing you read was. And whether you would recommend it to people.
3: Well, I've already revealed my uh, Michelle Obama becoming uh, the book that I'm reading at the moment. And that's actually an audio book. I've got into audio books. I never, I hadn't thought of it like before. And I was like, oh, it's not really for me. But then the minute I started reading it, I was like, God, like she sounds so much more like her than she does in my head. Like the way she (laughs) says things are kind of, and she's an interesting kind of person in the way that she reads things. So the first one I listened to was um, Adam Buxton's Ramble book. And that's very much, you know, I'm used to Adam Buxton's voice and his whole personality. And then with Michelle Obama's, she's very, she's quite dry. And she's quite, obviously quite serious because normally I'm listening to things, you know, that are stupid comedians. Not not that Adam Buxton's a stupid comedian, but, you know, stupid, silly comedians. And it's interesting, sort of like, you know, at at night I'll put my earphones on and I'll say to Toby, like, I'm just just popping to spend a bit of time with Michelle. And then (laughs) I'll... (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I do, I feel like she's there sort of telling me the story. So I think yeah audiobooks this is my big kind of thing that I found um in lockdown and I'm really enjoying that book just because it's it's a totally different world I feel like my life has been comedy since I was well since I was a little girl <laughs> and like it's <laughs> it's really interesting to just you know some, have read and listen to something that's completely and utterly different to this world because up until this point you know I'll just be reading um autobiographies of of female comedians essentially yeah so that's that's me <laughs> Jane, I've just read "She Said" by Joji
2: Cantor and Megan Twohey about the Weinstein, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein uh, stuff, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, it's one of those books, you know, by journalists, so it's not, it's, it's quite sort of unvarnished, you know, it's, it's, it's told functionally, but it's, it's really good. And ultimately, the the final part of it is extremely moving. They bring all the women involved including christine blazy ford as well into like at gwyneth paltrow's house they all assemble and it's just really kind of moving account of the conversation that happens there and you know what they talk about and i i really recommend it you know obviously it's a it's a story that's kind of endlessly interesting and angry making and uh yeah so she
1: said uh recommend it i fucking loved that book I absolutely mm. loved it. I thought, because it's one of those when you go into a story that's already in the public domain, is it going to hold your interest? But I just mm. think th- the work they had to put in behind the scenes yeah. to even get close yeah. to getting this guy brought to justice. And a exactly. uh, bit of a yeah. clang, a I did interview stuff. them. Yeah. I interviewed them for the podcast and oh, they wow. were amazing. And at the mm. time, like he had, he was just about to go to trial in January. And they said to me, they were like, yeah, we, we don't know that he's going to. He's going to get anything. Yeah. So it was a big day, obviously, when he did. But no, mm. great recommendation, Jane, backing that one up. And really? I'm sure Michelle's great too, Hannah. I'm not dis- I'm not dis- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Michelle, can you, a bit of respect for my mate, please? You do, you, you do properly feel like they're your I, mates. Is the I did actually read that when it came out, but I read it. And now I feel slightly robbed that I didn't have oh, Michelle wait. Obama read it to me. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I mean, there's lots of bits, though, that if you know what happens, like, Obama got in. Like, there's so many
0: <laughs>
3: bits when you're like, what is going to happen here? But, yeah, it's it's certainly worth it. Like, yeah, I, I love hearing people read it how they wrote it, in a way.
2: Mm. Like, I, I admit- always associate audiobooks with, like, story time at school, where you used to have to – I mean, this is something you used to have to do. After lunch, you'd have to put your hand on your arms and, like, pretend to sleep on your desk – And they would play a story, you know, on like um school's radio. And I used to find that incredibly creepy because I've got such a vivid imagination that my head would go in so many different places. And to this day, if I'm listening to an audiobook, I it's it's too much for me. You know, it it feels almost too kind of like my head's going to explode. Oh wow. So it's better for me to read it because otherwise I get so immersed. You know, I, I get incredibly immersed in books anyway to the extent that when I finish a, a novel sometimes I, I am just you know, I have to take a break because I get so into things uh, yeah, so I've tried audiobooks and I wish I could have Michelle read to me but I'm worried it would blow my mind almost <laughs> literally uh,
0: I'm slightly concerned it, 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 you shouldn't do it when driving Jane because it's just going to make you fall asleep i <laughs>
2: Obviously, I never, I've never been able to fall asleep during the day, ever, in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just put your head on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could driving. do it now. I could literally just do that and I would i would be gone. But, yeah, I can't sleep at night I in my I, bed. It's mad. I wish
2: I had the gift for napping. I really do. It's just I hate waking it. up so much that it's like having to wake up twice in a day and I wake up so bad-tempered going, coffee,
1: that I can't nap because it would be like that twice and it's not fair on anyone. I used to hate the word nap it just really annoyed me as a word nap I just it just really used to piss me off and I think it was because I couldn't nap and now I can nap fucking love it
3: yeah it sounds like some something someone really tired would get annoyed about
1: <laughs> 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 just over used to hate the word railings particularly when I had my head stuck in them and I couldn't nap mm. yeah just all mm. those things <laughs> mickey
0: what book are you reading
1: so one of the books I went through a, a real reading phase during lockdown. I got really back into reading and not watching telly. Couldn't concentrate on telly, but could do some reading. So I've powered through loads uh, in the in the old school style with the, like a book, not not a Kindle, not an audio book, proper old school, no bells and whistles. And I read Bernadine Evaristo's "Woman, Girl, Other," oh, lovely, and it's it's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, she's really, a joyous really writer. She just breaks all the rules and does it beautifully. Yeah, it was really good.
2: The, the lovely thing about that book, and it sounds like I'm I'm sort of dissing it. It's such an easy read. Mm. It's it's such it it's a, such a beautiful read. It's so easy to read that you you have to remind yourself how good it is. You know, because normally we say say easy read with something that's just not that great. But it's just it just beautiful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I loved it. Which is and it's interesting as well because. I didn't really like a lot of the characters and it's separated into each character gets a, a section but even though I didn't really like them I still was really interested in their lives yeah it was really good what about you Dunleavy
0: well I have read quite a few things for work which makes me sound like I didn't enjoy them I did enjoy them Kerry Hudson's Low lowborn was really good Ellie Shafak's book how to stay sane in an age of division. That is really good. But the last thing I read for just sheer oh, I fancy reading that was I recently read Ashley Dotty Charles's book Outraged, oh. which is about the mob, but very much about the mob on both the left and the right, which I find just so so thoroughly refreshing because I think there's so little. Desire amongst people to admit that, you know, we are guilty of the same tactics sometimes of just, you know, of Twitter pylons and that sort of stuff. And although it's about stuff which doesn't seem like it really means anything, and that's kind of her point, it doesn't, a lot of it just doesn't mean anything. A lot of it's just today's outrage of the day or outrage of the week it does have like a pretty like pernicious effect on how we are as a culture and she she has not been afraid to talk to people who I think that as a woman and as a black woman and as a lesbian that actually people with their own community could have gone hang on why are you talking to Katie Hopkins why are you talking to Rachel Dolezal about their experiences of how outrage is created and how also you respond to outrage when you know you are the victim and I do put that in the mm. rub it is when we're talking about Katie Hopkins certainly of the mob but also it's written in a very sort of funny it's not written in an academic or a preachy way it's written in a kind of who's this knobhead kind of way um <laughs> which I quite enjoy so yeah I would definitely recommend that and I actually say read I listen to that on audiobook so it comes in her voice that oh, so cool. comes very much in her. You can tell this is something that's made her angry. You can tell something that this is something that's made her, like, think. Um, mm. And I think that, that definitely comes across. Although I don't know about the word read. Do you feel like that with audiobooks, Hannah? That maybe you're, like, taking... If there could be anything lazier than lying down and reading it. <laughs> I have found it. I have found the thing that's lazier even than that. It's just lying down and someone saying it to me. <gasps>
3: I know, and also I play like I play this little like repetitive game on my phone at the same time, and then every time I lose, like it will go to an advert, and suddenly it will be like, "Have you tried this new?" And then (laughs) on top of Michelle Obama, I'm like, "No, she's getting to a good bit." Um, But (laughs) yeah, yeah, I I say I've I've read it, and then I'll say, "Oh, it's an audio book," just because I don't read that many books. So it kind of like I need I need to at least pretend that I've read more than I have um but then you're only 12 aren't you Hannah so I mean I have like a reading age of 14 so (laughs) 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 which is really good for my age (laughs) I again at the beginning of lockdown I was like I'll read more books but that hasn't Mm. sort of um but then I have my my kindle as well which is quite good but actually I'm sort of a bit over kindle now I I want to actually read a physical book a little bit I think yeah
2: I've used I've used Kindle a lot in lockdown because of course it's easier just to buy a new book because you know mm. bookshops being closed and libraries being closed so when I wanted to read a new book I had to get it on Kindle but I I found myself the other day just hitting the
1: right hand side of a page of a book <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's like when you tried to enlarge an actual photograph. Photograph, <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a photograph and I thought, I wonder if that is in the background. And I started doing that on top of the photograph. Do you mean? I was like, what the fuck? It's crazy. Yeah. I would like to know what you guys are up to. Hannah, who have you got coming on the podcast? Where do people find out more? Oh, well,
3: it's... Dr- women solving crime and we have that that's dot com that's at drunk women solving crime on twitter we've got all the things we're on all the a-casts and the itunes and whatnot we just did our 100th episode with ricky lake which was pretty fun i can't wow. believe we've done a 100 episodes that's insane we've got men's month coming up and we have got some like if they all come off it's going to be a strong men's month um so we've booked four people so we've got, you know, you know, that thing of like, I never say who's coming on the podcast yep. until we yeah. record yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but men's month should be, should be fun. And yeah, overall, it's, it's been amazing to continue doing drunk women during lockdown. That's been a huge part of like keeping me really happy and feeling creative and also feeling like in 20 years time, like almost like looking back and having a kind of a record of my time in, in lockdown, you know, like, cause I don't post that much on Twitter or Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes I feel a bit jealous of people who do their entire lives online because at least in twenty years' time they can look back and go like, "Oh, I can't believe I put that online." But mm. you know, it's kind of yeah, that's me so, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so for drunk women, not, that I that's put that online.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jane? What uh, oh, well, about
2: at Jane Hill 64 where that's where a lot of stuff goes I'm working on a a show Um, I wasn't due to be at the Edinburgh Fringe this year I was due to be taking a year off and I quite resent the fact that I didn't get to take a year off if you know what I mean (laughs) I was quite looking forward to perhaps popping up for a couple of days seeing some shows and then laughing at people who had to fly at their shows but I'm working on a show for next year which was already about kind of letting myself go you know letting my hair grow just letting myself kind of just fuck it you know that kind of sense of being in my post-menopausal and not really caring about anything and of course now there's so much more to add to that because you know what what anything matters so I'm working on a show which hopefully I'll do at I guess maybe the Leicester Comedy Festival if that's a thing next year and hopefully Edinburgh if that's a thing next year or if not I'll do it online or something or I'll kind of do one of these newfangled twitch streams or I don't know, I'm fifty six, I don't understand what it all I
3: have <laughs> no, no, just found out funny. about audiobooks like this.
0: Yeah, is... <laughs> no, <that's
2: the laughs> audiobooks. I mean, I think I'm quite good for my age, you know, here I am on, on a computer. Um you know, <laughs> I, I like to keep in touch with the young people. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to write a show, basically, and some of what's happening is going to be about, as I say, being postmenopausal and I'm not giving a shit anymore. That's that's what it's gonna
1: be about. Levy, how excited are you that you can almost nearly go for a wee?
0: I went about 20 minutes ago. Oh, um, that's yeah. only happy. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Standard issue for all women.